Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. She thinks she missed the train to Mars She's out back counting stars She thinks she missed the train to Mars She's out back counting stars
even worse idea than all the other bad ones you had today. Are you ready? Because it's time. The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour is on the air. Featuring the jack of all trades and master of none, Joel. Does anyone else smell fried chicken? Couldn't have picked a shorter podcast name. That's like a mouthful right there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, episode 140. I am your host, Joel, and things seem kind of quiet on the recording, but you know what? We're going to roll with it because, well, just because. So if you are new to the show, welcome. Uh, I did not do a show last week due to my son's birthday, and it was just a very busy time, so I apologize if anybody was looking forward to episode 140 with the brand new intro and possibly the new under uh, underbed music. I don't know what else to call it at the moment. The music bed uh, that used to be Dawn of the Dead, uh, 1978 score by Goblin, but um, I still haven't decided I may switch it out. So you may notice uh, something different there as well as the intro, which was phenomenal. Thank you, Justin and Jody from the Bad Parenting Podcast for putting that uh, uh, script into breathing some life into it for me, and um, I appreciate all of the work, so thank you very much. If this is your first show, it's not a bad one to start, I suppose. It's a good place to uh, get in, see how things work. Uh, the format, for the most part, is going to stay the same. I talked about making some changes due to the demise of Music Alley, but I decided not to change anything other than the fact of where I get my music from. Um, I'm still going to try and stick with unlicensed things, but, uh, you know, I've got a much smaller pool to draw from, and so maybe not nearly as much new stuff, and I may have to use some stuff that is uh, licensed or that is independent that isn't as um, RIAA-friendly as possible, so we'll just kind of play it by ear at the moment see what happens. Uh, But anyway, the rest of the format of the show should stay the same. I figure I've been doing it this long. No point in changing horses midstream, so... Anyway, if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Facebook.com. Just look up Joel Happy Pants Hour. That's K-P-A-N-T-S. You can also shoot me an email at joelhappypants at gmail.com or uh, find me on Twitter at joelhappypants, although I don't tweet much, but I am there. So you can hit me up, message me, send me a tweet, or look for me to drop something here and there. I also do a few other shows, uh, including 40 Going on 14 with Mike, Pat, and Josh, my former college roommates, and friends of the past 20 plus years you can find that at 40go14.com itunes stitcher talk shoe blueberry and other fine podcasting directories we are also a, a proud partner of the musings of a geek podcast network you can find that at musingsofageek.com you can also check us out saturdays at noon on geek life radio you can listen to our show streaming there as you are parasailing or whatever else you do on saturdays um, if you'd like to leave a voicemail you can do so at 708 now wrap that's 708-669-9727 you can also find us on Twitter at 40go14 or shoot us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com. I was about to say shoot us a Gmail, which is probably more accurate these days as uh, a lot of the other email servers are slowly being phased out, although some people still hang on to their ones. Anyway, um, I also do a show with my brother from another mother, Killer Wilba, called The Coffin Joe Cast. Uh, you can find that on iTunes, TalkShoe, Libsyn, and Stitcher. We have a different co-host every week for our third spot. Uh, this week, we had the lovely and talented Nikki from New Zealand filling in um, that third spot and talking to us about Anzac Day and her upcoming trip to the States. Uh, the week before that, we had on for the very first time Slacker Jedi, 
who's a longtime listener, good friend of the show, and uh, it was a good time getting to have him chat it up for a bit and just nerd out about stuff. But uh, if you'd like to check out those shows, you definitely do it at all the places mentioned. <clears throat> you can also shoot us an email at coffinjoecast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, just look up The Coffin Joe Cast. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, you can do so at 661-434-5956. at 661-434-KWJO. And last but not least, I still hear rumblings that there's a show that will happen someday. Uh, obviously, Vilvius with the Mike and Nero and South Philly Paul. You can find the old archives at obviouslyoblivious.com. Facebook.com, just look up Obviously Oblivious. You can shoot us an email, orgasm at obviouslyoblivious.com, or voicemail 206-888-6052. And um, that show is available through iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and other places on the web. So check it out. If you're a fan of The Awful Show, it's a good uh, filler until, well, The Awful Show's not coming back. So <laughs> there you go. Um, I also do uh, movie reviews for The CreeperCast. You can check that out at thecreepercast.com. Uh, I have a new review that pops up there every Saturday. They're actually old reviews from my old site. But um, as I get back into things, I may start writing some new ones uh, on that site for uh, my my blog. But I do write independent film reviews for um, the CreeperCast website about one, one a month. I just watched a film last night called The Cabining, which there's a review coming shortly. I actually started working on that last night, so I'm hoping to have that uh, written up and to... Uh, Jeff sometime later this week to be used on next week's uh, to be dropped next week at some point so look for that to be coming soon but you can check out all my old stuff there um, on their website also check out the podcast that they do Jeff and Jason do a great show and um, it's all about horror if you're into horror it's the way to go so um, none of the music tonight was brought to us by musicalley.com because music alley is dead um, I don't know how else to say it and Quite frankly, it's disheartening, but I understand not all things can last forever. So I give them kudos for what they did for the time that I used them. And I wish there was more places like them on the web. And maybe I'm just missing out or maybe they uh, will pop up here again someday soon. But thank you for all the years of service. We appreciate it. It is time to move on, though. So uh, if you'd like to check out my other two blogs that I do, A Momentary Lapse with Joel.blogspot.com is my movie review blog, which is where this show is updated first if you want to know when it's available. And then Gregory, the really angry robot, my online comic strip. Uh, I moved all the archives over to Facebook, so just go to Facebook and look up Gregory, the really angry robot. You'll come across the archives. You can check those out, see what you think. It's not the best thing in the world, but I I had fun with it. It's a good time. Um, and the show tonight, there's a theme in case you hadn't noticed. Uh, I was having a chat about um, uh, the show and trying to figure out directions. And one of the things I, I thought I kind of wanted to do based on this particular band actually is what triggered it is uh, maybe once in a while do a featured episode on a band that I absolutely love worship adore um, think is on another level and maybe it's a band that uh, not everybody's heard of give them a chance to shine and uh, give you a little feedback and and insight into who they were and what they were Um, which basically means I'm going to play the music and then uh, read something off Wikipedia (laughs) <laughs> probably tell you some stories of my personal experiences with them but uh you know it uh it all comes down to the music in my opinion so that's always my focus but the band this week is hum uh, we're going to talk about their beginning middle and end and all the music tonight will span that career i thought i would start off the episode uh before the show even started with stars by hum that's a song that everybody knows it's the one song that uh, gets airplay and that you will hear on 90s at noon's 
pretty often on various stations across the country and on satellite radio. Um, but the rest of the music tonight is going to go in chronological order from the band that they started before they became Hum all the way through until the last incarnation of Matt Talbot, who is basically the heart and soul of Hum uh, and what he did after Hum disbanded. So, uh, well, I guess with no further ado, let's go ahead and get into this show. Um, the first song tonight we're going to hear, well, the second song tonight is Molasses. It's by Honcho Overload. That is uh, Matt Talbot and some of the guys from Hum prior to Hum, back when they were still in college in Champaign-Urbana. And uh, yeah, so we'll be back in just a few.
by Honcho Overload and if you are a fan of early 90s, late 80s uh, big fuzzy guitar rock that is uh, definitely one of the bands to go dig back and find their old stuff uh, either through Parasol recordings or it's readily available um, through the internet. You can you can track it down if you really look hard enough but um, I think I talked about them or played them on one of my early early early, maybe not my, my first show or well, at least hum anyway, um, way back when. And Honcho Overload is one of those things that I love to uh, play every once in a while and bring up because I feel lucky that I was able to enjoy them um, shortly after their heyday. And so anyway, um, I thought, well, you know, just since we're featuring the band this uh, today, I thought it was a good idea to go ahead and just kind of start out talking about them and uh, you know, get you familiarized with them as it were before we get into the rest of the show so you kind of understand where things are coming from. But um, the initial lineup of the band formed in 1989 when uh, guitarist Andy Swartzky, guitarist Matt Talbot, who is, like I said, the heart and soul of the band, the one that the front man, the one that everybody knows, the guy with the glasses that looks like Bill Gates a little bit, um, bass guitarist Akis Boyazadis and drummer Jeff Krupp. Uh, Matt and Andy met at a cafe named Trino's in Urbana, Illinois, where Andy worked. Uh, they talked about music, uh, and then the two kind of formed the nucleus, as it were, of Hum. Um, Matt had played in a band, a local group called We Ate Plato, and was presently a member of Honcho Overload. And Andy had performed in the semi-serious live band Obvious Man and had studio experience with uh, designer Mustard Gas, which are all great college band names. We Ate Play-Doh is uh, a, a play on words, which Play-Doh meaning P-L-A-T-O, not Play-Doh, just to clarify. Um, but anyway, the group performed in Akis's basement for their initial months uh, due to a suggestion from Rick Valentin of Poster Children. The band chose the name Home over contenders like Grendel's Arm, Pod, and Feedbag an intentional vague description of their sound and went through a second drummer before overhearing Brian St. Pierre playing along to a Rush record out of his apartment window and recruiting him, which uh, if you're not familiar with the Poster Children, that's another great band out of uh, Chicago that uh, didn't really get their due, in my opinion, of what they should have. It's a really good band, so if you're not familiar with them, go check them out as well. Um, the lineup didn't last long. Akis left home for Greece in 1990. Um, they had some other lineup changes, and then eventually, as I was trying to say, um, the band uh, went in and recorded their first demo in the world-famous engineer Steve Albini's basement 
in Chicago. If you're not familiar with Steve Albini, then you know, you're not familiar with 90s rock and roll or alternative. Uh, the man is a bit of a legend and uh, has made his mark in so many ways. But uh, the band recorded eight songs in their first or second takes with only vocal overdubs and had an official demo to shop around named Kissing Me is Like Kissing an Angel. At this point, the group's primary singer, guitarist, and songwriter was Andy, uh, and that remained the case when their first album, Filet Show, was released by local label 12 Inch Records in 1991. Uh, the album features a faster, heavier sound, somewhere between punk rock and heavy metal, with more overt political and humorous material than the later oblique lyrics that Matt Talbot would write, which, if you've ever heard Filet Show, it is a bit of a departure. Now, this, the sound kind of carried over um, into the album after that which um we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute but uh it was definitely a different direction back then but anyway pressure grew on battle or batty excuse me to focus his efforts on mother and his other pursuits so he left on good terms with the other members of hum and uh they were without a bassist again and that's when they suggested jeff dempsey who ended up being their bassist long term um he was a bandmate of matt's and honcho overload uh, he did a group brief stint with the Poster Children. And then they, uh, once that lineup was solidified, they recorded the two singles, Hello Kitty and Sundressed. Sundressed. Sundress. Um, the former on 12-inch and later on the new Champagne-based label Mud Records. Around this time, the Champagne scene started to coalesce with members of one band joining up with members of another to form an infinite amount of one-off side projects and the Parasol Records distribution company helped promote local acts nationally and brought an alternative music to record stores in Champaign or Illinois, which, as I mentioned, Parasol Records, who I'm a proud card-carrying member of uh, that label or was, um, used to get their catalogs all the time, um, put, had a lot of really good stuff on there. So if you've not heard of them, check out their catalog of, of stuff. It's good. Um, in the interim, between these singles and their next album, creative differences grew between members in the band and Andy left. Uh, the remaining members recruited a local fan named Tim Lash, uh, almost a decade their junior, to play guitar. His previous experience had been in a speed metal group, the Grand Visors, with Joe Ledwinski from uh, Skirvine and Matt Friedberger from the Fiery Furnaces. Uh, and once casually remarked to the band after a show that if they ever needed a guitarist, they could give him a call, which it's a good thing they did because, uh, again, this was the classic lineup, so to speak, of the band. And uh, they headed into the studios and recorded Electra 2000, which is the album I was referring, referring to. Uh, the album was released in its first two pressings by 12-inch records and distributed through Cargo uh, record label. The lyrics were far more non-linear and conceptual and introduced some of the space and science imagery that would dominate their later songs, which if you've listened to a hum record, especially the last two, that's what Matt Talbot is. It's it's like nerd rock, like sciencey nerd rock, and it's awesome. But anyway, um, they got uh, distribution through Parasol, caught the attention of representatives at RCA Records. Uh, they were signed, hooked up with a local club owner and sometimes musician Ward Gollings as their tour manager. They switched to producer Keith Cleverlessy uh, for their major label debut, You'd Prefer an Astronaut, which came out in 1995. Uh, that's where stars came off of. And with promotional appearances and things, they ended up on Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Howard Stern Show, and they were all over. Um, sold 250 copies, played their largest dates promoting their records, 
Uh, they released some other singles, The Pod and I'd Like Your Hair Long, which didn't do nearly as well, unfortunately. Um, and the band spent the rest of the year in 1996 on the road. In 97, they teamed up with Mark uh, Rubel at Pogo Studios to record Downward is Heavenward, which is kind of the, the seminal album, in my opinion, uh, and unfortunately the last album. But um, during the You'd Prefer an Astronaut tour, that's when I saw them. I had the pleasure of seeing them uh, uh, live. And I've told the story a hundred times, but it never gets old. There was a point at the end of the show after they came back out and played their, um, uh, what do you want to call it? After everybody applause, they come back and they play their, their extra little bit, their encore. Thank you. Uh, nobody said that to me. I just thought of it, but I'm apparently talking to myself. So they came back, played their encore, and Matt, who really never looked out too much to the audience, was kind of awkward and strange. Um, he looked down, said, I think I need to throw up, and left the stage. That was it. That was the end of the show. Lights came up, no more show. And I got to say, it was uh, it was total punk rock. Uh, not that they're a punk rock band, but it was <laughs> it was that moment where you're like, yeah, that's what rock and roll is. Um, but the uh, biggest promotion for the album came with an appearance on Modern Rock Live in 1998. That's for Downward is Heavenward. And the album was released in February. Singles uh, Green to Me and Coming Home were promotional only, which, uh, speaking of which, which incidentally, the theme song to this show now, the new theme song to the show is uh, uh, If You Are to Bloom, which came off of this album. So I hadn't said that prior to this but uh yeah so hum will be kicking us off every week from now on out but anyway the album only sold 30,000 copies by the end of the year around this time the band missed an opportunity to record uh live uh the police's uh version of invisible sun for the x-files fight the future film soundtrack um at the last minute sting and aswad decided to record a reggae cover keeping the band from a large potential fan base due to disappointing sales and uh, large record company mergers. The band was dropped from their contract in 2000. While touring in Canada, the band's van got into minor accident, signaling the last straw. They played their final show in 2000 on December 29th in St. Louis, Missouri, and December 31st in Chicago. Which, incidentally, now that I'm thinking about this, it was New Year's Eve, and it was on the Downward is Heavenward tour. I find it really hard to believe that I was at the last show they ever played, but I, I, and I need to talk to Jason, who I used to work with at the record store, but I have this vague recollection that that was the show. Holy crap. Talk about revelations. Uh, uh, just suddenly happening when you're in the midst of talking. It's kind of, you know, the fun thing about doing the show is that you have those kind of epiphanies, but I didn't realize that was the last show. Man. That adds a whole nother level to everything. But um, anyway, um, after Hum disbanded, broke up, disbarred, uh, Matt went on to form a band called Centaur, which you'll be hearing from later. Um, the uh, I'm trying to think of his name. All of a sudden, uh, Jeff went back to resurrect a side project from 97 called National Skyline, which... Here's an interesting thing, and, and if you're a big music nerd or you're a huge fan of, of Hum or anything prior or whatever, or National Skyline or Centaur after, you can literally hear the division. Um, if you listen to the album by each of them after listening to Downward is Heavenward, you can literally pull apart the two main elements and 
discern who added what to the band. Um, Jeff is more about kind of ethereal, washy, uh, big fuzzy guitar things that don't necessarily make a good pop hook. They're fun to listen to, but they, they're not in any way, shape, or forth, form things that you're ever going to hear on the radio. Whereas Matt is more about, uh, you know, first chorus verse with a, a uh, more bit of a pop sensibility and lyrics that you're, are uh, audible and maybe don't always, you know, maybe, maybe make the most sense, but they're there and you can hear them and there's a more uh, traditional feel to his songwriting. And when you glue them together, you have an amazing result. When you pull them apart, you kind of lose something in the translation. Um, his follow-up uh, band, Gazelle, uh, Jeff that is, which um, I picked up that album too. I just, I don't know. It, it just never hit me the way I wanted it to. Um, they they did have a reunion briefly and have done uh, uh, some things here and there as far as you know coming back a couple of times to do... Uh, shows together, but they've never officially came back together. And Matt seems to be at this point uh, producing other bands and um, is no longer making music that I know of. I've not been able to find anything online that he's put anything out since that Centaur record, which is unfortunate because In Streams was a great album and I think he has a lot of potential to do a lot more awesome and amazing fun things. But um, I am not a musician and I, well, I'm not a musician like he is and can't make him make music so i hope someday that that will change but in the meantime we have a, a nice pretty solid uh catalog of about seven or eight albums that are out there plus little uh eps and things that you can pick up so if you are into the band or you realize never realize that they didn't do anything else other than stars then you're missing out brother because there's a lot of other good stuff out there and wow i'm just floored about that because i know i'm positive that it was that show now i'm positive but anyway Enough about that. Let's go ahead and get into another song. Um, so after Honcho Overload, Hum was officially born. And uh, this, I don't didn't want to play anything off Fellatio because I wanted to stick to the Matt Talbot ears. So we're going to go ahead and play Pinch and Roll. This is off of Electro 2000 by Hum. And we'll be back in just a few.
Alright, and we are back. That was Pinch and Roll by Hum off of Electra 2000. And if you are familiar with anything off of You'd Prefer an Astronaut or Downward is Heavenward, you can very easily pick up on the fact that that was a, <laughs> a bit different um, avenue, direction, as it were. Very in-your-face, very uh, big, bold, and dirty, but I love it. It's, it's great stuff. Uh, so the next thing I wanted to talk about, since uh, we've spent a lot of time focusing on Hum and our uh, featured artist for this evening... I, uh, as most of you know, talk for a living. I work on the phones. It's what I do. Um, I'm not going to tell you who I work for, but I do um, do it five days a week for eight hours a day, and I love my job. I do. I'm good at it. Um, I seem to be getting recognition for my abilities on the phone, and I seem to have a, a thing. You know, I just I, I'm at the right place with the right company, and seem to be doing good things, and it makes me happy. So um, I can't complain at all. I've got amazing coworkers, people I love to be with all day long, every day, and um, that's always a positive. That makes work an enjoyable thing, and it's uh, led to a lot of just kind of phenomenal things in my life. So anyway, um, the point I was getting towards is every day, at least once a day, maybe every other day, maybe not every day, but um, I get the opportunity to use a translator. And it's always a fun thing. And 99% of the time, it's a Spanish translator. And I know we've got, uh, you know, press two for Spanish um, on, I believe, on when you call in. But uh, for some reason, I don't know if it's that there aren't uh, representatives available, that that uh, I know that there are Spanish-speaking reps that are, you know, dual-skilled, that can do both, and so they'll take both calls. Um, but I'm thinking that when those people are, uh, you know, on a call at that point, they route the, them to a regular speaking rep like myself, and then we get a, uh, a translator on through a translator service. Again, another revelation that I had never thought of until just now, but that makes sense because when they come on and some people are kind of surprised that they didn't get to an actual Spanish-speaking rep, I just realized that that's probably why, is that that uh, actual rep is currently engaged. But um, not to be married, but well, maybe they are, but just engaged like they're on a call. But anyway, and I keep saying but. I don't know why. Apparently I've got butts in my mind. What's up, Doc? So when you get a translator on the phone, if you've never used one before, it's an interesting phenomenon because um, you're talking to the person that speaks whatever the other language is, but you're having somebody else take what you say and you're trusting that they're going to spit it back out to the other person in a way that uh, is conveying your message. And I've had experiences where something I said, I'm, I'm fairly certain, did not get translated the way that I said it, because part of what I do is very much uh, centered around what I say and how I say it. And so if, I, if it's not translated the way that I said it, I think it kind of loses something and doesn't always have the same impact or the same result as when I, it comes directly from me. So... That's kind of frustrating, but, you know, I speak just enough Spanish that I can pick out words, and so there's some instances where I'll hear something and I know that that word isn't necessarily what I said, and maybe they're translating it to be the best, uh, as close as they can to what I was saying, but again, it's, it's a trust factor there, and, and plus you're, you know, you're paying these people to uh, do this job for you, and it's, it's so they're not really going to be out there to screw things up, but I mean, I've had... Uh, translators get in their own conversations with uh, the members that I'm talking to. I've had them um, get kind of hostile. I've had them, you know, laugh it up and have a good time. I've had all kinds of different scenarios to where, uh, you know, sometimes they're really great. Sometimes they're terrible. Sometimes it's it's a bad scene. And 
it's just it's a necessary thing anymore and and i got no problem with it at all but it's just kind of a funny phenomenon that unless you've been a part of it it's it's a unique thing that uh everybody should experience at some point because again you're not talking to the translator you're not saying you know okay this is what i want you to say you're actually talking to the person and they're just kind of the middleman and something that i've never figured out and maybe somebody out there who's listening can can give me some insight into this but i've had uh this actually happened this last week i had one of the people I was talking to, they were telling me what was going on and why they were calling in. And they talked for a good, I don't know, five minutes straight, nonstop, barely took a breath. And then the translator took everything they said and fed it right back to me. And it blew my mind because I don't hear any typing. I don't hear any whatever. So I don't know, are they trained to have some sort of, you know, recall like waitresses who don't use notepads? I mean, is it that sort of a thing? Or... Are they using some sort of like a shorthand stenographer thing like in a courtroom, like a court reporter would use um, to take shorthand about what the person's saying so that they can read it back to me? And in my line of work, some of the verbiage that we use, some of the things that we say are, are very specific to the line of work I do. So if um, there's not a Spanish equivalent, uh, sometimes they'll say the exact word. And sometimes I, I wonder if they, there is a, you know, another language equivalent for some of the words that I have to use. Um, so it's just this fascinating thing that sometimes I wish I spoke Spanish or another language would get somebody on the line that spoke a language that I, well, I don't speak any other language fluently enough to do that, but let's, let's say I spoke German fluently and I got somebody on that needed a translator and rather than me talk to them directly, I, I worked through a translator, but I understood both sides of it. It'd be interesting to see what they're actually saying. Um, and it's just one of those weird phenomenons that uh, I don't think really existed that much back in the day. And nowadays, it's like I said, it's a necessary thing. And it's part of the the, the joy of America is that everyone is welcome. And uh, uh, no matter what your situation is, whether you can speak the language or not, you're still welcome. Um, so that's all. I just thought I'd touch on it because it was just an interesting thing that uh, came to my brain as I was doing my job. So... The next song we're going to play is called Suicide Machine. It's off of You'd Prefer an Astronaut. Uh, the song that broke them out, well, not the song, the album that broke them out that uh, included the song that we heard at the very beginning before the show started. And um, I just, uh, the lyrics in this always get me in, in the sweet spot. So listen very closely. It's, a, it's kind of a neat song, and I'm a fan. So we'll be back in just a few.
was Suicide Machine by Hum, and uh, yeah, good stuff, man. The next thing I wanted to talk about, and the last thing this week, I should say, is um, it finally happened, kids. Uh, well, yes, I, the fence is now installed in the backyard, which is exciting. Uh, Lucy is absolutely in love with it, and I got to go out there and play fetch with her, like real fetch, like throw it across the yard. She ran full speed, which if you've ever seen a... a a 32-pound basset run full speed down the, to one end and back with uh, a uh, chew toy stick in their mouth. It's phenomenal. You, you need to do it. It's fun. Um, plus, she's barking and getting all excited the whole time, and it's it was just a good time. But, um, yes, there is a six-foot privacy fence now surrounding my backyard up halfway to almost the front of the house. And it's been a lifelong dream of mine ever since I was on my own that I wanted a house with a fence, and now I've got it. And so it makes me happy to know that uh, this uh, little girl that I've adopted is going to have a good life and a good yard and have room to run and play. And I, who knows, maybe there's a brother or sister dog in the future. I don't know. We shall see. But uh, the, th- the real thing I was going towards was uh, I finally got back to get my tattoo worked on, which if any of you were around about a year ago when I got my uh, Doctor Who tattoo done, uh, it was kind of unfinished. I'm in and on. I apologize. But uh, there was two parts that were missing, and the overall 
tattoo itself was it was good. I was I was happy with it. I'd say it's about eighty five percent satisfied, maybe eighty percent satisfied. But it needed some touch up, needed some love, uh, needed some additional work. And I'm not out to call anybody out. I'm not gonna name the tattoo shop I went to or who I was worked on. But um, I went back for a f- the follow up to get it touched up and, and get the things that were missing put back in. Made sure ahead of time that I had you know uh, had gone when there was going to be an open spot, so I wasn't just walking in off the street and demanding service. That I was actually you know taking care of things the way that they needed to be handled and and uh, being respectful of the artist that I was working with, who was the one the same one that did my back, and I just absolutely loved my back. But there was mistakes there that had to be fixed too, so it, it happens. But anyway, um, went back got there and probably stood around for two and a half hours before I finally gave up because I was told a certain time and it just kept getting pushed back further and further and further and at some point you just got to go you know like I I can't stand here forever I, I just can't do it and granted it was gonna cost me to go somewhere else to get it done even though there it was free um to get it touched up but I I, I couldn't go back in good faith I just I couldn't do it um, after the initial tattoo itself, which was supposed to be about a two-hour thing, which other artists that I had talked to gave me that same estimate on time, <clears throat> took over eight hours and was excruciatingly painful and chewed up my arm quite a bit. Um, so in, in hindsight, I love it, but I didn't love the entire experience. Um, so I went to another shop and got an estimate and at the time I just I couldn't afford to get it done so I had to put it off and months turned into more months and eventually turned into a year later plus I was finally able to uh, get the money together get the time get the appointment get the artist get somebody that came recommended from friends that had used this person Uh, and I went in last Sunday and spent about eh, about an hour and 15 minutes hour and 20 minutes and got everything touched up the entire thing was was touched up there was uh the two things were added that were missing uh the colors were brightened everything was just brought back from where it was at because in a year it was already faded quite a bit and it's like the original job wasn't done the way that it should have been so it kind of looked kind of like to me it felt like it was you know a a 20 year old tattoo after a year and that kind of was a little depressing but um new artist did a bang-up job and fixed all the problems went back over the entire thing it's just it's beautiful it's and it's to the point now where it's almost completely healed um but it's uh, so much darker than it was and there's no more scabs on there but um it's it just it impresses me the difference between one artist to another and it just i guess kind of the point i was getting at was also was to tell you about getting it done but also just to reiterate something that I, I think I've seen many posts about it on Facebook, but you can go get a tattoo and, and you get what you pay for. Um, if you're paying more, you're, you're getting an artist that knows what they're doing. So if you're going in and you're paying 50 bucks for a tattoo, expecting to get a, a $200 tattoo, then you're, you're sadly mistaken. Or if you go in getting a $200 tattoo, expecting to get a thousand dollar tattoo, you're not going to get it. Um, artists are paid based on what they can do and if you want good work you need to be willing to pony up the money and the time and go to the right shop to get it done because uh, it, it can make all the difference just just uh, donating blood alone I found out that uh, depending on where you went to have your tattoo done <laughs> can dictate if you can donate blood or not because they want to have people that are 
uh, licensed and all the other fun stuff that comes along with tattooing. So, you know, that are trained in bloodborne pathogens and are safe and the shops are clean and all that fun stuff. So it's, it's a whole thing that you have to really put some thought into. But just now, as I'm sitting here right now, looking at my arm and, and where it's at after a week and the difference between then and now, it, um, it just proves to me that uh, going forward, I know I won't be going back to the original artist and I will um, be willing to pay the extra to get what I want and get it done right the first time. Um, so there is some things being kicked around. I've bandied about uh, several ideas for a lot of pieces to put together into one, one big piece. Um, so hopefully over the next 10 years, 20 years, I'll be able to get everything done and uh, get my little vision into fruition. But it's not a quick process and I'm not play. I don't play the lottery, so I don't foresee it suddenly becoming a thing where I have a windfall of thousands of dollars fall into my lap. Um, so I don't think that will be the thing, but it was a totally different experience. I went in, it was a, they're remodeling. So the shop was a little bit in a shambles, but I uh, laid down instead of sitting up, um, had a female artist instead of a male. And uh, it was just a much more pleasant experience. Uh, the actual tattoo itself hurt a lot more because, you know, you're going working on scar tissue at that point. Um, but I just, I can't reiterate enough. If you're going to get it done, get it done right. Do the homework. It's forever, people. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into the next song. This is If You Are to Bloom by Hum. It is off of the Downward is Heavenward album. And uh, yeah, I, I freaking love this album. I love this song. And we'll be back in just a few. Thank 
we are back. That was If You Are to Bloom by Hum off of Downward is Heavenward. And this has been episode 140 of the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, the new and improved Happy Pants Hour, hopefully for the better. Uh, so thank you, Music Alley, for bringing about some change that was probably much needed after many, many episodes of the same. Thank you to Jody and Justin for helping me put together a brand new intro for the show. Thank you, Killa, for the old one that we used. I uh, loved it. And I get to do a show with you every week, so I don't feel too terrible about it. Plus, I gave you a heads up ahead of time to let you know because I didn't want you to suddenly be surprised if things changed. So hopefully you enjoyed yourself and you come back next week for another episode or you go back and dig in the archives and check out the older shows. Um, if you'd like to find me, you can find me on Facebook.com. Just look up Joel Happy Pants Hour. That's K-P-A-N-T-S. You can shoot me an email at joelhappypants at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at joelhappypants. Um, you can also check out my other shows, 40 Going On 14, which is available at 40go14.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Blueberry, the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network, and Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio. Send us a voicemail at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. You can also find us uh, on Twitter at 40go14 or 40go14 at gmail.com. Uh, check out the Coffin Joe cast, uh, iTunes, TalkShoe, Libsyn, and Stitcher. Uh, CoffinJoeCast at gmail.com. Facebook, look us up there. Or shoot us an email or voicemail, excuse me, at 661-434-5956. at 661-434-KWJO. And last but not least, obviously Oblivious, obviously Oblivious.com. Uh, Facebook, look us up there. Uh, iTunes, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and other places. Uh, email orgasm at obviously Oblivious.com or voicemail 206-888-6052. Check out my movie reviews at thecreepercast.com. You can find my uh, uh, reviews for the two independent films, The Lashman and Seventh Day. There will be a review coming up here in the next week or so for The Cabining. You can also find a, a movie review every week for me on Saturdays. Uh, you can check out those horror reviews that I've written. And uh, with the fiction section on the website that we've launched recently, there is an entire section for fiction writers. If you are a writer and have written a horror-themed short story, please submit it to Justin or Jeff over at the Creepercast, and they will put it in to be uh, displayed on the website. I had one of my stories posted two weeks ago. Last week, uh, Matt Brown, my best friend, had uh, one of his short stories uh, put there. So I'm just trying to get it out there and get the word We've got seven more weeks worth of stuff to fill content, but we're always looking for more. So if you are a writer and have not contributed yet, please do so. We'd love to see your stuff on the site. Uh, all the music tonight was provided to us by the band themselves. So you can check out Hum, Centaur, Honcho, Overload, and National Skyline. <clears throat> Everywhere that music is available, please uh, buy the music and support the bands because Matt Talbot is amazing. So that's all I got to say. Um, also check out my blog at a momentary lapse with joel.blogspot.com or head over to Facebook, look up Gregory, the rarely anger robot, and you can check out my online comic strip that I used to do. And, uh, that's about it. So after the outro, the new outro, uh, we're going to be playing one more song. It is wait for the sun by centaur, Matt Talbot's band post hum. And the only album that they ever released, unfortunately, so if you are friends with Matt, let him know he needs to make more music, please, because I need it in my face and my ears. Not in my face, but you get the point. So um, on that note, I guess that is the end of a long and music-filled day. I will reiterate one last time, kids, if you're going to get ink done, and yes, it's a thing now. A lot of people do it, and I myself am a fan anymore and will be getting more. A lesson I learned probably the hard way 
is you get what you pay for. So take your time, do your research, and get it done right the first time. Measure twice, cut once. Love you, kids. See you next week. Geographically speaking, in the Northern Hemisphere, socially on the margins, and narratively with some way to go.
with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 